This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Travel Writing World podcast. In today's episode, I speak with Thomas Wick, who has a new book coming out called Falling Into Place, A Story of Love, Poland, and the Making of a Travel Writer. Tom and I speak about Tom's creative journey, his time in Poland, the evolution of the travel writer, and the importance of having life experiences for writers, and a whole lot more. Just a quick note before we start the show today, I wanted to give an update about the Hill of the Skull and its crowdfunding campaign via Kickstarter. So the campaign did not reach its funding goal, unfortunately, uh, but that's okay because I still will publish the book. It just won't be in the fancy hardback full color edition. It'll be a soft cover book with black and white uh, images, but I have proofs in front of me right now. It looks and feels great. So next week, I think I'll make an episode about that and announce it and kind of fully launch it, as they say. Uh, but for the time being here, I will leave you with a new episode with Thomas Swick. I'm here with Thomas Swick. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks, Jeremy. Good to be here. So I invited you on the podcast to talk about your book, Falling Into Place, A Story of Love, Poland, and the Making of a Travel Writer, which um, was just published, if I'm not mistaken. We're recording this in November 2023. Is that right? It was just re uh, published recently? Yes, November 15th, it came out. Okay, very good. Well, you're, you're the former travel editor of um, at the Sun Sentinel in South Florida, and your work has appeared in you know, all the publications like Travel and Leisure, Nat Geo Traveler, and um, also in the now defunct Best American Travel Writing series, anthologies, um, many right. of those your, 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 your essays have and your stories have been in. But you've also written several books like The Joys of Travel and Unquiet Days at Home in Poland. So Poland seems to be at the heart of a lot of your work and especially your newest book, falling into place. So perhaps um, that's a good place to start. If you can, uh, tell us a little bit about this new book of yours. Well, the, the book is, um, it's a memoir, but with a strong sense of place. It really comprises three stories. There's the coming of age story uh, about my youthful travels and my development as a writer. It's also got a geopolitical story because when I was young and traveling around, the place I spent the most time was Poland. Um, I was there in the late 70s. I was 26. Uh, and a month after I got there, the announcement came from the Vatican that the new pope was going to be the Cardinal uh, Karol Wojtyła. And I remember going to my... I was teaching English in Warsaw, and I remember going to school the next day and my students just sitting and beaming above copies of the that day's newspaper. And there was a you definitely had a feeling that life as they had known it was was about to change. And um, 
So there's the geopolitical story. I stayed for six months. I had to leave abruptly because when I applied for an extension of my visa, mm -hmm. I was given an invitation to become an informer. And it was one of those, if you help us, we'll help you situations, um, which I had only seen in movies. I, I didn't realize this, this could actually happen in my own, my own <laughs> life. Uh, but I refused that invitation and I, I had to leave the country in three days later because the visa expired. But I was able to get back and it was in uh, June of 79. And that coincided with the Pope's first visit back to Poland. And that was really uh, a seminal event. Um, we went to the mass on Victory Square in downtown Warsaw, and you saw thousands of Poles, you know, gathered together, uh, expressing beliefs at odds with their governments. And it really gave them a sense of strength and, and solidarity, which is what this, this moment eventually led to, the founding of the Free Trade Union a year later. Uh, so then I came back to Poland uh, a few weeks after the Solidarity was founded, and I stayed for two years. And those were very tumultuous years with 16 months of Solidarity, uh, followed by uh, martial law. I was there when martial law was declared, and I was there for the first nine months of that horrible uh, period. Um, so that's the geopolitical story. And then there's the uh, the love story. I, I went to Poland, not because of any uh, dying interest in, in Poland, but I met a Polish <laughs> woman on my way back from France uh, in 1976, and we fell in love. So that that's the love story. So the, the book covers those three, comprises those three stories. I see. So when you were just now, you were talking about moving to Poland. Um, that takes place after the initial story that the book opens with, which is, um, which might have been your first writing job in New Jersey. Is that right? That's right. Uh, when I came back from my year in France, I was looking for a job and I found one at the Trenton Times in, in New Jersey, which is my home state. And I was very lucky because the Trenton Times in those years was owned by the Washington Post. And it was full of these really bright, ambitious young journalists, many of whom would eventually go on to the Post or, uh, you know, some went to the New York Times. Anyway, mm -hmm. people were at the beginning of some very illustrious careers in, in, at the Trenton Times. And um, I was even luckier in that I never wanted to be a reporter. And I think the editor sensed that. And I got a job as a feature writer. So I would go out and spend the day with interesting people. Um, I spent, you know, I, some interesting professors at Princeton, which was nearby, a harness racing driver. I did a story on uh, simultaneous interpreters at the United Nations. Um, and it was really giving me a great background to be a travel writer. It was getting me out into the world and to meet some of the interesting people in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just said that you didn't want to be a reporter. And in your book, I think you said something to the effect of that you didn't want to be a journalist um, because you wanted to write words that um, lived on or had the potential to to live on. So, I, I mean, I guess, what was it about journalism or reporting um, that you didn't uh, that didn't agree with, like what you wanted to do with your life? Well, that was the main thing, I think, the fact that, um, yeah, I did want to write, hopefully write things that had some 
had some uh, lasting value. Um, and most news stories, most news stories don't last much longer than a day or two. Uh, feature stories, maybe a little longer. But um, yeah, eventually I did want to write books. And um, yeah, I think most writers did. In fact, a lot of the people at the Trenton Times who did go on to great careers as journalists did end up eventually writing books as well. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it seemed like um, from very early on, you had this kind of goal of writing books, but like somewhere in that early experience at the newspaper, you got exposed to the world of travel literature. So Paul Theroux, um, even before that, Evelyn Waugh, when you were in, in, in France. So um, what, I guess, what was the, what was the allure of the figure of the travel writer or the profession of the travel writer um, that drew you in to wanting to do that as a career? Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Waugh. Uh, I picked up his book when the going was good. And that was a revelation to me. I read him in college, you know, we, we studied his novels, but none of my professors ever mentioned that he also wrote travel mm-hmm. and his travel books, his travel stories had so many of the elements that were in his novels, um, just colorful characters, um, moving scenes, hilarious dialogues. And I thought, wow, you can do this in travel writing too. And um, it, it just it just hooked me. I just wanted to do that kind of, because I always loved traveling. I, I hadn't done that much of it. And I was very, um, I was very captivated by the idea of going out seeing other places and then paul Theroux came along and mm-hmm. he he seemed that, that his first book the great railway bazaar seemed very much in that that vein of of wall catching the characters the the conversations the the little he focused on little things that you know a lot of travel writers just overlooked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of those things i guess you could say about other genres too right so like what um what was what was the, the the allure of like this this genre, the travel writing genre, the travel literature? It seems like you know there's there might be something else there. Yeah, no, I've said before what what I really love about travel writing is that it it can encompass aspects of all the other genres. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a great travel book can have the narrative arc of a of a novel. It can have the the digressions and the reflections of an essay. It can have the lyrical passages of, of poetry, really. Uh, it can have the substance of a history lesson. And it usually has the, the, revelation, the revelation, self-revelations of a memoir. So it, it can really be all genres of writing in, 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 in itself. Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s, you know, the idea or the conception or the job of a travel writer was a lot different than that of today, right? This idea of travel writer today, I think, is a little bit different from from what I understand. You know, that was back in the seventies. Do you do you know kind of any difference in the evolution of travel writer, travel journalist, travel media content creator? Oh, <laughs> oh de- definitely. I mean, yeah, you're right. In the old days, the travel writer was kind of the eyes and ears uh, for the the people back home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were almost, you know, equal to to explorers. They were going out to places that most of the readers had never been to. And they were coming back and telling them what these places looked like, you know, what the how the people dressed, all the it was very descriptive. 
And then as more people started traveling, um, travel writing had to evolve. It had to change its focus. And you got people like Jonathan Rabin, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, he just, he didn't just describe a place. He interpreted it. You know, his writing became very analytical in a very entertaining way, but all, very insightful about about the cultures. And he also had an interesting idea because more and more people were traveling and it was harder to find places that hadn't been written about. He went where the tourists lived. You know, he made uh, the United States his big subject. And, you know, his most famous book, Old Glory, where he sails down the Mississippi River. You know, he stops in these little towns that, you know, travel writers never really paid any attention to. And he made us see them in in a new way. Um, You know, sometimes just through just these lovely descriptions. Um, I remember once he was driving down one of those typical American streets that every city has. You know, it's got the Burger King and it's got the McDonald's. And he described driving along and seeing the fast food pagodas. (laughs) And I just, I love that term. You know, it's just like a, a, a new way of looking at this those places. And um, so, yeah, travel writing became much more analytical, much more introspective. Rabin wasn't too much looking into himself. He was looking into the people he met, but other writers did. And, and writing, travel writing has really evolved and, and I think become much, much more interesting um, because of that. Hmm. You Just a few moments ago, you mentioned um, one of the I guess beauties um, of the of travel literature is, is the fact that it it's kind of like a ship, shape shifter. It can encompass encompass different genres. And and you mentioned uh, the memoir and what you said about the memoir is, or the way that you described memoir was um, self revelation. And I like that. That's that's really interesting. Like I would think of for me, like a, a memoir is about some sort of inner uh, transformation and in the context of travel, you know, a transformation that occurs while on the road or, or somewhere else. Um, and I'm just curious um, if you see your new book uh, falling into place as a memoir or something else. Uh, I definitely see it as a memoir, mm-hmm. um, but a, a travel memoir, as I said earlier, yeah. because of the strong sense of place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, it's it's reflective in terms of my career and also in terms of my my relationship with my wife uh a bit but it's also i think its main focus again is is looking outward looking at the cultures and and the people that i i lived among um so yeah i wouldn't put it in there as one of the really deeply self-reflective memoirs mm-hmm. might all travel books essentially be travel memoirs no, no i don't think so i think there's some travel books like you know i think again the great railway bazaar okay we learn a bit about through but um not too much about not we don't go too deeply into his mm-hmm. psyche in that book it's it's really him looking out and looking describing the the places and the people yeah and there are, there are another uh, a number of travel books that are like that where it's just it's made actually i interviewed colin thubrin once and and 
Colin Thubin is one of my heroes in, in, in the world of travel writing. I think he's a brilliant writer. Um, for me, he, he has the emotional ability co- to connect with people wherever he goes, to, to empathize. And he's got the intelligence to, to analyze what he's seeing. And that combination of, of mind and heart, I think, is, is unbeatable. But I interviewed him once, and he he told me that um, when he's traveling, he gets he's so focused on the people and learning about them that he sometimes forgets about himself to the extent that he'll realize he hasn't eaten mm. in a day or two. I mean, he he is very much, uh, or he was. I think maybe as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little more uh, reflective. Uh, but he's very much of the school it's it's not about me it's about the people i'm i'm traveling among Mm -hmm. yeah i tend to agree with you like when i think of memoir whether it's a travel memoir or anything else like i think of this transformation and this self-reflection that you mentioned and of course not all travel books you know are vulnerable in that respect or you know chart a kind of inner transformation um um in any kind of like touching way. And I guess that's um, what I think about when I, when I think about memoir um, in general, as, as we talked about, you kind of open up the book with your first writing gig in Trenton, New Jersey. And I was just curious, um, you know, how, how would you describe your creative journey up until that point in your life? I mean, had you always wanted to kind of, dip your toe in writing? Did you see yourself as someone who wanted to become a, a writer? Like what relationship did you have with, with liter- literature, literary creativity and those things? Yeah, nothing really gelled for me until high school. Um, I was a lackluster student up until uh, junior year in high school. And I, it's kind of the classic story. I had one of those very influential English teachers in my junior year who just opened my eyes to to writing and what what it could do mm-hmm. um, and that gave me the idea that I wanted to be a writer. I went on to college, majored in English, and those were four just blissful years of just reading great novels um, and then by the time I graduated i definitely thought I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't think I had anything to write about because I'd spent my whole life in school. And one day I was, I got a job in Washington, DC, a a proofreading job uh, at an engineering firm. Just just what you want to do as an English major. (laughs) And I, one day I read an article, I got a copy of Esquire magazine And there was an article there on how to live cheaply in France for a year. Mm. And the trick was to become a student. You know, the tuition was very cheap and you lived in the dorm and you ate in the the university cafeteria and you, you lived in France. And I thought, well, I could do this. I could enroll in a language institute and I'd studied some French in high school. And I thought, you know, if I want to be a writer, especially a travel writer, it would be helpful to speak another language. So I did. I went to France for a year. I studied at the 
Institut pour les étudiants étrangers in Aix-en-Provence, a beautiful town in the south of France. And when school got out, I was just getting comfortable. I was starting to be able to have hold a conversation. And I didn't want to come home because I thought, well, if I go home now, I'll, I'll lose, I'll forget everything I learned. So I left Provence and I went to Alsace, which is about as far as you can get from Provence and France and still be in France, at least if not geographically, culturally, because Alsace is very Germanic. And I found a job on a farm. And that was the perfect way to learn a language, you know, study in a classroom for a few months and then go out and be with people who spoke nothing but French day and night. Well, they spoke Alsatian among themselves, but with me, they spoke French. And so my French got pretty good. And I had an interesting experience. You know, I'd never been on a farm. I got to see what farm life was like. And I also got to see, I didn't realize at the time, but I got to see a dying way of life because small farms really don't exist in, in anymore in Europe, or at least in, in France. So that was, you know, that gave me something to write about, an experience. Um, you know, I, I finally, I had something that was different. I'd gotten out of, out of school and, and mm -hmm. saw something that I could write about. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you got that job in Trenton, was that kind of your first writing break? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Because uh, I, I hadn't sold any freelance. I, I think I freelanced a little bit. I never sold anything about my time on the farm. I write a little bit about it in this book, but in this memoir. But um, yeah, I hadn't had any luck freelancing and I was hired to be a feature writer. So that was the first time I saw my byline. And that was a thrill, you know, seeing your, your name in print for the first time. And I left the Trenton Times after a year and a half, and I went to Poland. And it was in Poland that I had my first success as a freelance writer. How do you, it was in, how do you define the success as freelance as opposed to what you'd been doing in Trenton? Well, uh, well, getting, getting published uh, by somebody who's, who's not paying you in a full-time job, right? Getting published by somebody who has no idea who you are. You just send an article uh, blindly and they like it and publish it. And it was um, it was the North American Review, which is an old quarterly that's still around. And it was an article about the Polish mountains, the Tatra mountains. But it occurred, it, I was there in 1981 just a few months after the start of Solidarity, when the whole world was starting to pay attention to Poland. So my timing was very good. Uh, if I'd written that story two years earlier, they probably wouldn't have been interested. But that was a real thrill, seeing, um, seeing a, a story of mine in a, a literary journal, and one that really was very atmospheric. It had a lot of description. It was, um, you know, I... It was different than the feature writing I was doing. It was much more leisurely and, you know, hopefully a, a bit more literary. Mm, I see. Well, um, I'm getting a little signal here that um, our time is, is running short. I wanted to um, ask you a few questions about, you know, your, your observations and your opinion on, on, you know, the state of and the realities of travel writing today and i hear you chuckling uh, back back yeah. we've been exchanging emails for um i guess a few years now and some of those conversations um kind of involved this topic about the realities of publishing um today so 
um, you know, I just kind of wanted to open this up and just ask you, like, how, from your perspective, um, what is the appetite like these days for travel books and travel memoirs from from the perspective of agents and publishers and just the the larger travel writing industry, if we can call it that? It's difficult. It's it's a difficult genre right now. Um, you know, there's still some really wonderful that obviously there's still wonderful travel books, travel memoirs being published. Um, you interviewed recently Pamela Petro, who wrote a great book about her relationship with the country of Wales. And um, and that's another example of the, the kind of the new travel writing. It gets a subject and, and delves very deeply into it. Um, and she's got that published in England. She got it published here in the United States. So, you know, publishers are, are still publishing travel books. I think at the end of this year, we'll probably see in the New York Times uh, Christmas, you know, before Christmas, they'll do a rundown of books in different genres. And they usually have a rundown of travel books. So I think we'll see that. But the the general view is that um, travel books don't sell. That's the view among publishers and agents. Um, so you really have to be persistent and and find something that's maybe a little different that that really catches their attention. Mm-hmm. I like what you mentioned here uh, about Pam's book uh, about um, you know being the new travel writing. It's uh, focused on a sub- subject or a topic, and this makes me think about like you know, the ways in which writers position their books. So like, I I imagine it would be very difficult if somebody pitched a book idea that's like, Hey, this is all about my journey. This is just my travel experience as opposed to saying, Hey, this is going to be a, a book about the history of X or this book is about the idea of Y, you know? So it's about positioning and approach. It seems, um, it seems those types of books, um, where the main focus of the book is an idea or a subject and travel is the vehicle through which that's that subject is examined. We see those all the time. Right. Right. That's the way I think that's the way it's going right now. So travel, travel. writing has been normalized. <laughs> it's been kind of uh, uh, in some ways kind of assumed or subsumed by by society to such extent that we don't even recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what about um, kind of the, you know, this is all tied into this idea of like new travel media. Like what about, you know, travel media today and the Internet's impact on on all of this? Do you have any kind of hard opinions about that? Well, that's probably contributed to the. the I hate to say decline, but it is kind of a decline of the travel book. Um, people feel they can get their experiences or their information about other places in other ways they don't feel they have to read travel books to do that and in many ways they don't if they're just looking for information but i i've always said that in, i think information is vastly overrated um you know you need you need to know yeah you need to know about what hotel you want to stay in you know it's nice to know what where the good restaurants are but travel books and and novels you know novels also often have a strong sense of place they give you they give you insight um but they give you atmosphere 
you know, you, you really get a feel for the place and they, and they give you insight into the, the real character, the soul of a place. And, um, you know, that is hard to find on the internet. Mm-hmm. So I think if people are really interested in, in learning about a place, the books are still their best option. Yeah. And I mean, if we just talk about travel media very broadly, it seems that, and, and this, I'm just kind of guessing here, but I, I would assume most of what we think of travel media is, doesn't have any story, as you say, doesn't have any atmosphere. It's kind of service oriented oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Con- yeah. Content. And when you tell people you're a travel writer, that's what they assume you do. Content, yeah, right. For TikTok. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, something that they uh, some people do as well but um yeah i guess there's um kind of nuance here to to this older media kind of longer idea of, of travel literature as, as a distinction from travel media generally there was a great writer in the 70s kate simon who's pretty much been forgotten unfortunately but she did a wonderful thing she wrote guidebooks to various places, Mexico, Paris, London. And she combined the practical information with lyrical essays about aspects of the place. So you could just take her book to wherever you were going and you had everything you needed in that book. You had your information and you had your pleasurable reading. You know, when you had some a moment in a cafe and you just wanted to read just for the joy of reading. She she was a Brilliant writer, and um, as I say, uh, sadly, sadly forgotten. But you can still find those guidebooks in uh, used bookstores. Mm, you need to do uh, find one and do a Jefferson Bible esque razor blade cutting out of the the story elements yeah. and <laughs> right, right, <laughs> leaving behind the practical stuff. Well, uh, right. Tom, um, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and talking about your new book, Falling Into Place. Um, which comes out November 15, you mentioned 2023. Um, Very briefly, where can uh, we find you online and all of that good stuff? Uh, I have a website, which is my name, uh, thomasswick.com. And and I blog there most most mornings, Monday through Friday. I put cartoons up there and, uh, and I have my books and bio and everything there. So that's probably the best place. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter. So Just search for Thomas Wick and we'll find yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Thank, thanks again, Tom. Thank you, Jeremy. You can find the episode show notes and much more at TravelWritingWorld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support. <laughs>